Welcoming traveler. Get ready to level up in fantasy football. What is going on, all you cool cats out there listening to another episode of the Fantasy Football RPG Podcast? Uh, I am very, very excited uh, about tonight and the guest that we have on. But before we introduce him, uh, we have Mike, as always, on the show with us. FF Mike Cash. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, everybody. And uh, Evan is here with us tonight. EP Lowe on Sleeper. How you doing, Evan? Good evening, everybody. But uh, the uh, piece de la resistance here, uh, the, the big guest that we have, I'm super excited to have Mr. Dave Kluge on the podcast. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Excited to talk some football here. It's uh, crazy how quickly the season goes by. Like, it feels like the game. I mean, I mean, the season did just kick off like 10, 11, 12 days ago or whatever. And here we are previewing week three matchups. So just trying to soak up every second of it that I co- possibly can and just, uh, you know, enjoying this season. Yeah, man, it feels like a time warp almost. Like even outside of football things, it, the weeks just seem to go by so much faster. I guess you have things to look forward to, and uh, it's just much more entertaining of weeks. But yeah, week three already, it's it's crazy. And what yeah, I'm uh, doing what a six shows weeks. a week, writing a couple of articles every single week, and it seems like I still like cannot get enough content out there. It's like I'm still trying to look back at the previous week, and then all of a sudden, a new week's here. So trying to trying to do what we can to to stay on top of it all. Uh, Six shows a week. That is that is gnarly. Uh, I'm sitting here with one show a week, and I'm like, whew, sweating already. Uh, but that's awesome. I mean, I'm sure if anyone is is watching this, they've at least heard of you. If not, um, I don't know what they're doing if they are following fans football. Uh, obviously, you are a writer and podcast host for Football Guys, which is, you, I mean, you, you guys are kind of the, the big boys. Uh, so even more excited to have you on. Uh, you do some ranking for fantasy pros as well, but uh, besides that, is there anything else that you're kind of working on? You want to want to tell the people about? No, that pretty much covers it. Like I said, six shows a week is kind of crazy what we're doing right now. But uh, I had my show, The Launchpad, which was nominated for an FSWA uh, Football Podcast of the Year last year. Had a lot of success with that. And then Alfredo Brown over at Football Guys was doing his thing with the Pretend GM. And we just decided to kind of put our heads together and make one mega show over at Football Guys. So we got the Football Guys Fantasy Football Show coming out now. Six days a week, we're doing uh, audio and video shows Monday through Thursday, audio only on Friday. And then we've got a live show that we do on Sunday morning. So definitely check that out if you hadn't. It's been uh it's been a lot of fun working with Alfredo side by side this year. Yeah, man. Very cool. Uh I, I've seen the the launch pad. Uh that that was an awesome, awesome show. Uh and I caught a little bit of your show that I think came out today where you had Jagger on, yeah. uh, who who we've had a, as a guest. He is awesome. So that was cool to see him uh, on there with you guys. But uh yeah like i said man just very appreciative for you just taking the time to come and chat with us we are very very new to a lot of this but uh we've we've had on some awesome people and just very appreciative of the the whole community yeah Um, it's an awesome community to be a part of really is yeah uh okay well you know i had a little bit of like an intro question to get us warm but we also have quite a lot to talk about so i feel like we just kind of get into this thing you guys uh you guys feeling warm and and ready to talk some football all right well let's take our quick ad break and get on with the show 
I say let's start hot, but let's let's cool off slightly just because it's a slightly sad topic. We got to get to the Nick Chubb news. Uh, very, very unfortunate injury for him. One of the more gruesome injuries I've personally witnessed uh, on a on a football field. No good. Uh, season ender, surely career ender. I hope not. I'm I'm wishing him the best for sure. Um, but yeah, we. I'll mention before we move on here, there is a, a link in the episode description uh, below to give to his charity. If you are feeling generous, uh, I'm sure he would appreciate it and it's a good cause. So look look at that, look into that. That uh, is, is down below, like I said. But uh, with that injury, I mean, that kind of bleeds into uh, talking fast football wise. We were looking at like a Jerome Ford possible uh, season for him as the, as the fill-in and I mean, besides that, I did have a lot of uh, Twitter buzz about potential free agents, Kareem Hunt making a visit. Uh, to me, it feels like it's Jerome Ford's backfield, pretty much no matter who they sign, unless it's like a big time trade. But I want to know, I mean, Mike and Dave, I think you guys are definitely more on the uh, Twitterverse than than I am or, or Evan. Have you guys seen any buzz out there that seems like uh, there's a running back out there that that is, you know, competing for Jerome Ford's role a little bit if they do get signed? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll hit it real quick. There's rumors floating around that Kareem Hunt's going to sign there, but I've seen some of the stuff that Dave's talking about. I think we're on the same page here. Like, this is Ford's backfield. If Hunt signs there, he's signing purely as a depth role because he knows the offense and that he can fill in and give him a breather when he needs to be. Uh, Nothing that I saw from Kareem Hunt last year makes me worried about Ford's role this year. Uh, Really, the worst-case scenario is a Cam Akers trade, but – 22 carries for 29 yards also doesn't scare me. But Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the Browns have a lot to really give here. I'm hearing these rumors about like, oh, maybe they should go out and trade for Jonathan Taylor. They kind of emptied their draft capital, making the trade for Deshaun Watson. They don't have a lot of draft capital to give up. They're in salary cap hell right now with this Deshaun Watson contract and the Miles Garrett contract. So I don't see any situation where they can afford to bring in a guy like Jonathan Taylor. I mean, if they can get... Kareem Hunt to come in for two, three million, which sounds likely. I think that does unfortunately limit the ceiling for Jerome Ford. You know, right now, as is, if it's Jerome Ford and Pierre Strong, wheels up for Jerome Ford. He could be a possible top 10, top 12 running back. If Hunt comes in there, he's going to assume a lot of the passing down work, which is going to lower that ceiling a little bit. But that's really the worst case scenario is that Hunt comes into the picture. Now, I, th- I think it was kind of a benefit that that news came out because that's going to push his fab cost down a little bit. You know, people after seeing last night's game in primetime, they were talking about dropping 100% of their fab on Kareem or on, uh, on Jerome Ford. But now with the Kareem Hunt rumors, you might be able to get him for a little bit cheaper. So if I'm in short leagues where, you know, you don't have a lot of bench spots and waivers are, you know, pretty flush throughout the year, I'm probably only looking at like 12 to 15% on Jerome Ford. But if you're in a deep league, you know, he's one of those guys that doesn't pop up all that often. I'd be okay looking upwards of 60% on for this uh this week yeah that that makes a lot of sense uh i i will say it is a little tough spending you know 100 percent of your fab on ford especially because you know i get it it's a long-term play he should be the guy there the rest of the way but you know his next week's matchup is against the titans who are pretty stingy on the run so it's one of those things where like okay mm-hmm. i'm gonna spend all my fab and then am i starting jerome ford because it doesn't feel good i don't it's kind of like a joshua kelly uh situation with the you know the same team with the titans didn't have a great showing either so uh, that's a little tricky um i i will definitely agree to that and it does feel like the browns sort of showed us that they like ford more anyway or at least liked his affordability more than kareem hunt by not resigning kareem hunt 
Um, so I, I do think it's forward. Uh, but yeah, spending 100% on your fab is, eh, I don't know about that personally. Yeah. And, and also, and Ford, real, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll jump in. So, looking at what Ford did last night, uh, there's there's nothing that I saw there that I'm worried about what his role will be for the team going forward. He looks explosive. He looks like the next guy up. He looks like he's going to completely consume this backfield. And the Steelers' defense is not a great defense. Like they're pretty good at stopping the run. They were missing Cam Hayward. He still was able to run wild over them. And the the pull away from Levi Wallace just really showed that he has a burst that Kareem Hunt no longer has. Yeah, what was it like a sixty something yard run he had? It was the perfect number. It was a sixty nine yard run. I didn't want to say nice. it. I wanted you to have yeah. it. Nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah, I mean he's got the profile to be a three down back. We saw it in college. You know he can catch passes. He can run between the tackles. He can get outside. He's got the breakaway speed. He's got the burst. I think there's kind of this misconception that like if you're not 220 pounds, you can't do it in the uh, um, NFL. But, you know, he kind of I, I hate to make the comp because it seems kind of lazy with him breaking out last year. But kind of reminds me of Tony Pollard in a way where he's kind of been that guy that we're, we we haven't seen a whole lot of. But when he does get the ball in his hand, he's got a lot of juice. I could see him really running away with the job this year in, in Cleveland. Is there any concern over the offensive line in Cleveland moving forward? Obviously, Nick Chubb is one of the best runners of the football but you look at their PFF grade right now for run blocking and they're in the bottom third. The previous two seasons, they've been a top five run block run blocking unit. So is there any concern with having a lesser back there that that run blocking may actually become an issue? Yeah. I mean, last night's uh, outing probably weighs heavily on that, you know, going up against the Steelers. So I don't think the offensive line is as bad as the PFF grade makes it out to be, but we saw Ford yesterday, you know, he had one play where he got bottled up the 69 yard rush. We were talking about that. He was able to cut back up field and turn into a 69 yard play. He had another play where he got hit like eight yards behind the line of scrimmage was able to bounce off a defender and turn it into a first down. So good players are going to make not, you know, nothing into something. So again, you know, I don't know if he's got this sky high, you know, overall RB one ceiling, but the volume is going to be there. The talents there. I think he could easily, if Kareem, Hunt doesn't sign with the team, finish as a top 10, top 12 guy. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I think we've we've talked a, a good amount about that. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the other sort of, I mean, just happened to be just mostly RB news uh, that I kind of collected for us here. Um, David Montgomery out a couple weeks with a, with a thigh injury, I read. Uh I'm hoping this means our Jameer Gibbs stonks are going way, way up. Uh, I am a little worried about HDDC doing uh, a Dan Campbell thing and playing a little bit of Craig Reynolds. Uh, I, I feel like we shouldn't be worried about that because it's Craig Reynolds uh, versus their, you know, first round top 12 drafted RB and Jameer Gibbs. But we did see him a little bit. We saw Reynolds like go in there and take a little bit of that Monty role uh, after Montgomery got injured. How, how worried are we about Craig Reynolds stealing any work here? Or are we just wheels up on Jameer Gibbs? Uh, Evan, you want to chime in? Yeah. So I think they've made it very clear that they want to use Gibbs as an offensive weapon. Uh, I think that also means that they want to try and keep him a little bit fresher than a standard bell cow back that we think of. Uh, from back in the day. I think the, the days of bell cow backs are kind of gone at this point. So I do see a little bit usage uh, for Craig Reynolds uh, moving forward here. I don't know how many snaps we're really going to look at. Maybe they end up shifting to, you know, a one back, one running back, maybe zero in the backfield, maybe an empty set. 
um, play a little bit more, throw a little bit more to the wide receivers, spread the offense out. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, I definitely foresee an implementation there. I'm just, I'm really hoping that Jameer Gibbs starts giving them a reason to have him like take everything, like break off a couple more of these special runs that he's already had where he looks unstoppable, just juking people out of their shoes and give them no reason to put anyone else back there. Uh, just for fantasy football alone, <laughs> I, I would love to see it. Um, okay, well, besides that running back situation, we can talk a little bit about the other weird running back situation with Cam Akers, uh, kind of a repeat from last year, him dealing with, uh, you know, kind of showing up, not really, and then, oh, no, we're going to trade him, uh, and <laughs> dealing with the turmoil of that. It's just such a weird situation. It, it begs to wonder, like, what, he did or keeps doing that keeps putting the Rams like such on an edge with him. But uh, I don't know, I guess, do you guys foresee a, a trade destination for Cam Akers that can save what little there is left of his fantasy relevancy? Or is this a guy where you are dropping him down the drain and not looking back? Dave, you, you got any insight? Uh, I think Minnesota would be a pretty good landing spot for him. Uh, you know, Alexander Madison, they really wanted him to be the guy. I didn't really see it too much this offseason, you know, his just dwindling efficiency over the last few years. When you look at the splits that he had in those starts that people would get so excited about, four of those six starts came against bottom of the barrel run defenses. And when he had to face decent run defenses, he struggled. So I wasn't really too sold on Alexander Madison, and he has looked very woeful through these first two games. So I think that he could work there. But I also just want to point out that, you know, I, I'm not completely sold on Cam Akers getting traded because his rookie season, you know, Daryl Henderson was the guy to start the year. And we were wondering, like, why isn't Cam Akers getting the rock? And then the second half of the season, he was getting like 20 touches per game and he blew up down the stretch. And then he had the Achilles tear miss year two. Last year, though, it was the same thing. Remember, he was a healthy scratch. They said that they were going to trade him. And then he came back and he was the workhorse down the stretch. So I don't know if these are just like some mind games that Sean McVay is playing to get yeah. the best out of Cam Akers and maybe some extra motivation or something like that. But it is, you know, Sean McVay is up there with Bill Belichick as far as head coaches that I will not trust and the, you know, the, 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 the mess that he plays with running backs. So I don't know. I'm trying not to overreact here. Kyron Williams got a ton of touches last week, 10 targets, whatever, you know, 18, whatever carries that he had, but he, he was terribly inefficient with those touches. I don't think he's the long-term option there. So we've seen this with Malcolm Brown. We've seen it with Daryl Henderson. We've seen it with CJ Anderson. He will give anybody a huge workload and make them fantasy relevant, but I'm not sure that it's Kyron Williams long-term. We might see Cam Akers go back to Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I mean, they did it. They did it. One year, uh, what was to stop them from doing the same exact thing this year? Uh, I will say, I think it's uh, McVeigh and Belichick and Pete Carroll on the Mount Rushmore of frustrating for fantasy, specifically coaches in the NFL. Well, Rushmore's uh, got four, so we're gonna throw Arthur Smith up there as well. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. I agree with that. All, all of my Kyle Pitts shares just screamed at once. <laughs> heartbreaking mike we can have like a little maybe like a little fifth head that's hidden that could be like a matt canada head if you want oh my gosh just throw that in there matt canada uh, just ruining my, <laughs> my fandom and my fantasy teams uh yeah it is it is a brutal brutal time over there but uh okay great i mean that was pretty much all i had on here that i really wanted to uh talk about in terms of, of the news i'm sure there's other things that i missed but those seemed like the big ones uh, let's let's take it into some game previews. 
Uh, we are basically just going to pick one of these upcoming week three games. And if you want to just sort of uh, talk over your, your thoughts on them or uh, which pieces you are really looking at to start in fantasy, uh, I think we can kind of keep it loosey-goosey. But out of this list, I mean, we'll, we'll start with uh, Mike first because I, I heard your selection and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you throwing me the bone first. Uh, I'm really excited for this Vikings-Chargers matchup. I'm looking at two teams that have had rough, rough defenses and some very, very good offenses. Uh, Chargers might be getting desperate with an 0-2 start. Maybe we see a QJ sighting as they try and mix up some of their personnel. So snap count to watch is QJ versus Josh Palmer, and then just a matchup to watch is the entire Chargers receivers against a subpar Minnesota uh, secondary. Dave, what's a matchup you're excited about? What are the pieces you want to talk about? I'm excited about every matchup, man. It's football. I couldn't be happier about this. But the one that really jumps out to me on this slate probably isn't the one that like everybody's getting super excited about, you know, but the Indianapolis Colts at Baltimore Ravens. I've been so excited about this Ravens offense. I'm not a Ravens fan, but you can see the Lamar Jackson jersey behind me. I talked ad nauseum this entire uh, preseason about what Todd Munkin was going to do to revamp this offense. And we saw it. In a very small taste, like the second half of week two, it finally started humming where we saw Nelson Aguilar and Odell Beckham and all of these tertiary and fourth option guys getting involved in the offense. And it was exciting to see. So one, I want to see if they can ride that wave into week three. The other two things that I'm excited about are the running back matchups on both sides of the ball. We just saw Zach Moss come off 98% of the snaps, which is unheard of in today's NFL. He saw 100% of the carries and 100% of the targets out of the backfield. So I want to see if that can maintain, because if so, Zach Moss is going to be a plug-and-play top 15 running back until, if ever, Jonathan Taylor does return. And then obviously on the other side of the ball, the other running back situation there, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards had the better fantasy performance last week, and I think that a lot of people are just assuming that he is the guy there. You know, if you look at consensus rankings, Gus Edwards is ranked ahead of Justice Hill. Justice Hill was more efficient with his touches. He got more carries. He got more targets. He got first crack at the goal line work. The only difference is Gus Edwards happened to plunge it into the end zone and had the better fantasy day. So I want to. I, I think that Gus, or I'm sorry, I think Justice Hill could be a great fit in this Todd Munkin offense, and I want to see if his role can expand a little bit in this game. So a lot of really key, fun points throughout this game that I'm going to be paying close, close attention to. Well, I, I feel uh, uh, very conflicted because I am I am validated because that was my pick that I was going to talk about. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm also upset with, I am upset with you, Dave. No, just kidding. Uh, that that's awesome. Yeah, I, I saw that too, and I'm like, if I I hope to to God that Anthony Richardson like comes out of the concussion protocol like a okay because I don't want I I just I'm so excited to see Anthony Richardson yeah. versus Lamar Jackson. I mm-hmm. think that's going to be a really really fun game. Uh, but now I have to dig and look for a, another game. So Evan, quick vamp. <laughs> yeah. So mine has honestly more real NFL implications than fantasy implications. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the Panthers Seahawks game mainly because I want to see Gino continue to actually show what he showed last year in week one. He looked awful. I want to see that Seahawks defense start to get a little bit healthier and then they hopefully are getting back uh, Charles Cross, hopefully, uh, to be able to get a bookend back uh, on the field. So that'll be really important for me to see. Uh, and then Carolina, like I've been so disappointed with what I've seen out of Bryce so far this season. 
Um, being the first overall pick, I get it. There's a lot of stats and information out there about being the first overall pick and what it actually looks like for fantasy. But I just have had an awful time being able to watch those games and think that something's actually going to work out for him. And it's really unfortunate because he was an absolute gamer at Bama. Are you a Panthers fan by chance, Evan? No, I'm actually an Eagles fan. All right, all right. Just the way you were talking about it, I, I could hear the pain in your heart. I'm guessing you're a, a Bryce Bryce Young fan, at least, because I can I can hear it actually, there. Actually, Evan was the biggest fan, I think, of the uh, the coaching uh, staff on the Panthers more than anything else, uh, because on paper, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, it might be one of those like too many cooks in the kitchen thing, though, where you got Josh McGowan in one ear and you got Frank yeah. Reich in another. And, you know, if you're getting conflicting opinions from everybody there, that can sometimes be a little bit damaging to, to the development. But, you know, as a Bears fan, I kind of cracked the joke earlier on Twitter today that we, we might be looking at the number one and number two overall pick in this year's draft if things keep trending the way that they are. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, our, our other co-host that isn't here is uh, also... A Bears fan, and he was he was also doubling that. As just, okay, I I was optimistic, but I'm now completely out, and I'm just hoping for the one and two at this yep. point. Uh, which isn't a you know there could be worse situations to to have the uh, if if you just have a even a two top three picks next year mm-hmm. that that'll be pretty nice. Um, yeah. Imagine being the Browns fans that you know they're bad, they're tied to their quarterback for forever, and they have no first round pick. That and he looks so bad. So bad. He just looked so so bad, and you paid him two hundred thirty million dollars. Oh, that is just. I drafted so so much Deshaun Watson this off season. Just you, he, I need somebody to tell me that the process was right. Like it's it like hurts. It's value. so bad. I know. He seemed like a screaming value, man. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's brutal. I mean, if you drafted Deshaun Watson, you probably drafted Calvin Ridley too, because the rust was just getting knocked off and everything's fine. So you have Calvin Ridley. That's a plus. There you go. Yeah, there you it's go. A win. <laughs> Yeah, you could take that to the bank, I, I guess. Uh, okay, well, I will go ahead and uh, this might be a little, I'm actually surprised no one picked this one either, so I'll sort of jump on it uh, as my my placeholder game. Uh, I'm excited to see Rams Bengals, guys. I mean, this is a this is a Super Bowl rematch, and I want to see one. Can the Rams continue to somehow be good despite all odds? Uh, with their sudden revelation of Puka Nakua, uh, can Tutu Atwell keep being good? Which I never thought I would ever say that <laughs> sentence. I can't believe we are here in this day. Uh, Kyron Williams, I will second that. Can't believe we're saying that here in this day. That <laughs> can Kyron Williams remain? I think what he's got to be like a top five RB right now. Number number two in PPR. <laughs> Get out of here! Like, what? What are we? What's going on? Just like we all thought, right, guys? Uh, so yeah, I, I want to see that side of it. I want to see Matthew Stafford continue to look awesome. Like he he looks revitalized, fresh. Uh, he's making some crazy sidearm throws. I want to see that continue uh, against the Bengals defense. That's you know okay. Uh, but on the other side, I want to see like is this finally the game where Joey B like shakes off some rust? It sounds like he might be injured and is sort of like. A question mark to even play so that's not good Bengals starting zero and three yeah so are, are we gonna see any sort of bounce back from any of the Bengals options that were drafted very very highly i'm i'm very excited to see if they could put anything together against what was supposed to be a, a hapless rams defense with just aaron donald on the team that has looked totally decent uh, if not good if not great 
So I, I want to see all those things. Uh, I think it'll be very, very, very interesting. Uh, Didn't Austin even mention Co- Tutu Atwell, who's currently seventh in receiving yards in the NFL. I think I did, but if I forgot, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, I, I think I, mean, I, I said him crazy. right before Kyron of like, I can't believe we're here in this day where I'm asking, can Tutu remain looking good? Right. I, I, I never thought he was good in the first place. So remaining yeah, we, good. We all came into the season expecting to be playing Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua, and Kyron Williams, just the trifecta of an offense you wanted every piece of. Yeah, that, that high powered Rams offense we were all yeah. clamoring for, banging the table for. Against the yeah. 49ers defense week two. <laughs> I like Austin Thomas uh, calling it in the comments. Uh, Bengals win and get their season back on track. We'll see, man. If Joey B is out, that might be a tall, tall order. Uh, But speaking on these guys where we can't believe we are flexing them, let's talk about these guys a little bit in a a segment that Mike has dubbed Weird Flex, but okay. Uh, (laughs) We are going to talk about some guys that... I mean, Mike, you're sort of the uh, the daddy of this segment. Do you want to give the people the, the sort of description, what you're envisioning for this? Yeah, I can run through it real quick. So these are a couple of names that two weeks ago, three weeks ago, if you said this is a must-draft player or a player that I want on all of my fantasy teams, you're getting laughed off of Twitter. Like, they're going to take away your blue check mark. They're not going to let you put content in anymore. Uh, I'll lose my job as an editor at Last Word on Sports. Like, cannot condone giving this as advice. But now all of a sudden, you have to play them. So some of the hot button topics and who I want to talk about and see if you guys think they're going to stick around or if this is just kind of smoke and not fire. Uh, we've got like Jacoby Myers, Kyron Williams, Durham Smythe, Jonathan Mingo, like some names that are already popping up because they're on everyone's mind. So uh, Corey, I'll let you lead it off. Talk about a player that you think isn't just smoke. Like this guy is a weird flex, but okay. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that my selection, it, I don't know how hot it is, uh, just based on how he's looked. The fact that he was a, a first round drafted wide receiver. I think a lot of people probably thought, you know, kind of a lower passing volume offense. And that's why they might've strayed from him. I can at least <laughs> say that I, I was always a believer and it, it just is very validating now to see Zay flowers absolutely pop off like the dog. I knew he would, he was, uh, he has looked awesome. Uh, I mean, he has been the wide receiver one, uh, pretty easily for the Ravens. Uh, he's looked electric with the ball in his hands. He is demanding targets first game ever in the NFL. I think he went nine for 10, which mm-hmm. heck yeah. Efficiency. I will take that. Uh, I, and look, He's a rookie. I think he's only going to get better. Uh, He has put himself firmly in the must flex uh, option for me. And, you know, I don't even think that has anything to do with the fact that OBJ, of course, can't stay healthy because, of course, he can't. Uh, And they don't really have anything else I'm worried about. Rashad Bateman has had years and years to prove it. Hasn't shown me anything I'm worried about. And now that the running game is also questionable, with uh, J.K. Dobbins being out, I think they just rely on Zay more and more. And like I said at the top, he's only going to get better and better, which is kind of a scary thought considering what he has already done in these first two weeks. So I am and have been on the Zay Flowers hype train, and I am loving every minute of it. Uh, I will go ahead and pass the baton to Dave. So, you know, when you guys first asked me this, I said Brian Robinson, but I think that's kind of a lazy, boring guy to talk about. Like, he's the RB3 right now in scoring. Of course, you're starting Brian Robinson. 
So uh, I, I want to go a little bit deeper, and I got a few guys that I could talk about here. I was just prepping for my starts of the week show, and this is what we do on my show on uh, on Wednesdays or on Thursdays is we talk about some guys that are a little bit deeper down there. So I already talked about Justice Hill and Zach Moss a little bit. I'm starting both of those guys. I already mentioned Tutu Atwell, which I think is another kind of fun flex play. But let me throw Michael Thomas out there, a guy that people had just written off for dead. And sorry to completely throw you guys a curveball here and not talk about Brian Robinson. No, I love it. I love it. But, Michael Thomas has eight plus targets in back to back weeks. And in this matchup, uh, going up against Green Bay, Jair Alexander, Jair Alexander, uh, I cannot talk. Jair Alexander. That's a tough one, to be fair. It is. Yeah. Really, really stumbled through that one there. I promise I haven't been drinking tonight. But he's not going to be shadowing. Michael Thomas, because Michael Thomas has really seen a new role. You know, we saw him playing so much out of the slot when he was in Joe Lombardi's offense. Now he's kind of moving around all over the place. He's taking some slot snaps. He's playing flanker. He's playing out wide. He's doing kind of a little bit of everything. We've even seen him line up in line as a tight end. So the Packers have been pretty good at limiting big plays. So in this matchup, I'm actually a little bit lower on Chris Olave, but they gave up so much to Desmond Ritter over the middle of the field. Week one, I'm going to kind of throw that away because we've seen that Justin Fields can't hit anybody in the middle of the field, but Desmond Ritter was eating them alive in the middle of the field last week. So the, the worrisome thing here is that it's a 43-point over-under, so I'm a little bit concerned about that, but I really think that Michael Thomas could be the wide receiver one, drawing more targets than Chris Olave in this game, so he's a guy that I have inside my top 30 wide receivers this week, which makes him a pretty strong flex play. I love to see the resurgence of Michael Thomas, man. He went through such a, a tumultuous ride to the bottom like from from being the I mean he was by consensus the number one wide receiver at a certain point in time years ago and now uh now he has a chance I mean I don't think he can get back to number one overall but he he could sneak into that like wide receiver one conversation if all things go right for him it's really really mm -hmm. exciting to see okay uh what about uh what about Evan Evan you got a hot one for us yeah, so I don't know if it's super hot, but I'm going to go with Nico Collins. Uh, he's going up against that Jaguars defense that's been giving up uh, a lot of pass yards. If you're looking at it, it they're probably going to be behind in the game. I think it's pretty safe to say uh, that that's going to be the case. And then you also just go in and you start looking, okay, like his air yard share the first week was just astronomical. I mean, we're talking 60 plus percent. We're talking 20 plus percent week two. I mean, we're talking a guy that's getting over 20% air yard share in every single game. He's their deep field threat. They're going to try and hit a home run with him. And then on top of it, he's also seeing a target share of over 20%. So you think about all of that and you put all of that together with the fact that they're going to be behind. CJ Stroud very well may throw 40 plus passes in this game because they're going to get behind early. And they're just going to have to throw the ball based off the game script. So I, I like the chances. I, I like that one a lot. And I, I will piggyback off and just say it is a lot of that has to do for me of just how like ballsy CJ Stroud is playing right now. Mm -hmm. oh, like yeah. just no F's given, just completely balls to the wall of football, chucking it up for Nico Collins. Nico Collins is like wide receiver six. I think last time I checked. What? He's up there. <laughs> So okay. even even crazier than that, I, I don't know how you guys feel about PFF grades. I usually throw them out the window, but when they confirm my priors, then I love to talk about them. And Nico them. Collins right now is the wide receiver four in PFF grades. You got Tyreek Hill, Brandon Ayuk, Justin Jefferson, and then Nico freaking Collins. Touted this guy for years and years and years, and I'm finally feeling like it's paying off. So couldn't be happier about Nico Collins this season. Yeah, I feel... 
very silly. I spent all off season. If you've listened to the show before, I'm touting. I'm like rookie quarterbacks don't support guys. Rookie quarterbacks don't support oh. guys. I wrote an article on it going back through the last like 10 draft classes. And all I found is that rookie quarterbacks don't support guys unless they set rookie passing records, which mm-hmm. CJ Stroud is currently on pace to do by a lot. So if CJ Stroud continues to be good, I'm going to be eating a lot of crow, but uh, <laughs> it's the right process. I hope. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was going to point to that article too, of being like, yeah, all the data points you used are real. Like th- that all was real data, but it- it's even crazier to think that Nico Collins is overcoming that and mm-hmm. still being awesome. Uh, it's, it's really interesting to see. I want to see that pace uh, keep up for him. If, I mean, if he finishes as a, as a wide receiver one and you have him on your team where you drafted him, that is straight up money. Uh, and, and I know for me as well, uh, shout out to, to Jordan Richards about the, the call out on CJ Stroud. Um, Jay Rich, is, he, he had been on CJ Stroud over Bryce Young uh, for a very long time. And he was trying to convince me for a long time as well. Uh, and yeah, he was absolutely right. Yeah. After two games, we can't make any conclusions unless it's the conclusion I had two months ago that <laughs> yep. it's 100% locked in. Yep. Yep. Or if it's proving like, one of us on the podcast wrong, then yes. we like to tap that out and be like, we Oh, see, I told you victory lapping each other. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Our, our text message threads get so toxic. Oh yeah. <laughs> so bad. What's the point of sports if you can't, it. yeah. What's the point of sports if you can't talk crap to each other? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Okay. Well, speaking on that, uh, Mike, you, you still need to get one, right? Yeah, I would, I would love to. Um, so I'm yeah. wearing my Steelers jersey, but I am going to point out a, a player that ate a bunch week one, was out week two, should be back week three against the Steelers secondary that is not good at football right now. Talking about Jacoby Myers, uh, they're going to try their best to stop Devontae Adams. I don't know if they'll be able to. I know they can't stop Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers. So I think Jacoby Myers is going to eat against either Levi Wallace or old Patrick Peterson or rookie Joey Porter Jr. who can't stop holding receivers. Like there's just a lot of passing volume that the Raiders are going to need to do if they want to win this game. So I'm all in on Jacoby Myers for this week, which I was not going to say two months ago. Anybody have any feedback on that or you just, everybody agrees with me and I'm killing it. Yeah. Just a genius call right there. Nobody, nothing, no way to possibly push back. I mean, I don't want to say like anybody kind of called this, but you, you, you almost in a way, this shouldn't be all that surprising that Jacoby Myers was like the clear cut wide receiver one, like getting plays drawn up for him. Josh McDaniels, you could just get the sense that he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, that like he knows better than everybody else. He went and brought in all of his old friends from Foxborough, you know, and, and like I said, I, I don't think anybody predicted this to happen, but we can't be all that surprised that I think in Josh McDaniel's head, the same guy who thought that Tim Tebow was a better NFL quarterback than Jay Cutler might think that Jacoby Myers is a better NFL wide receiver than Devontae Adams. I mean, he just sometimes I think he tries to outsmart himself and he's doing just that with Jacoby. I, I think that's especially true considering I mean everything that we can sort of see behind the curtain with with McDaniels uh, and the fact that Devontae Adams has already been like sort of vocal about his displeasure, even though he's walked that back at, at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, but he had already said, like, I don't know what you know we're doing here in terms of the coaching, in terms of the play calling, in terms of bringing Jimmy G in. I think McDaniels has it in him like <laughs> to be like, OK, you're going to talk. All right. Well, you're wide receiver, too. Now, D- 
deal with it. Jacoby yeah. Myers, step on up. Like um, that, the fact that that's that could even be true. The fact that I'm even saying that is absurd. But I rest yeah. my case. Co- coaches try and overcoach sometimes, but just imagine being Devonte Adams. Like you sign with the Raiders because you're so excited to play with your college roommate. You're so excited to play with Derek Carr, and now you're playing with Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're the second most targeted player on your team. Like, not not the move. All right, so yes, no, real quick. Does the trend of Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams continue at 70% target share between the two of them, over, I mean, over or under? I think it's going to continue. I mean, who else? Hunter Renfro is like technically, I guess, still there. Josh Jacobs doesn't catch passes out of the backfield. I think it's just going to continue being hyper-targeted through those two. Hooper? Any love for, for no, Hooper? I completely agree between <laughs> Hooper or what, Michael Mayer? Mayer, yeah. If you want to say rookie tight ends don't matter, look at Michael Mayer. If you want to say rookie tight ends do matter, look at Sam Laporta. Either way, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. I think that's that's the best way to phrase it is who else? Uh, Hunter Renfro hasn't been good in years. I don't even know if he was good. I think he just got fed a lot. Um, and now you have Myers, who I think is, yeah, just pound for pound, a better wide receiver than Hunter Renfro uh, and is capable of making plays. And if McDaniels wants to draw a million plays up for him, uh, you know, there's only so much he can overcome when you compare to Adams. You got to give Adams some looks here, but 70% target share between the two of them. Yeah, I, I don't see that changing. Uh, okay, guys. Well, uh, we, we went through that nice and and briskly uh i don't know if we have any additional names here i I know mike made a a little bit of a list we can maybe go through some of these guys if you uh find them particularly interesting uh i want to just scan the list real quick and i see qj's on there and i just want to say no uh, on that one personally (laughs) for me uh we we can fly through it and just do it's like a quick start sit but like a a really sad start sit (laughs) yeah like uh, hey we've had some really really awful injuries already two weeks into the season if you Mm -hmm. lost any of those big name guys you're staring down the barrel of maybe starting some of these guys on your team let's let's talk about it in a desperation like flex play who are we going to start from this list mike do you want to just read them out and we'll go from there yeah i'd love to so at wide receiver we have jonathan mingo elijah moore all of the chiefs wide receivers take your pick uh nico collins we already talked about you're going to start him Although I'm going to call out now, I'm not starting them. I think the Texans turn into a pumpkin this week. Let's Ooh. not dive into that too much, unless you really want to. Uh, Jaden Reed, Matt Collins. If you don't know who Matt Collins is, he's the leading receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> uh, Josh Reynolds, Arthur Smith. God, uh, QJ, and then I also wrote the New England wide receivers. So Kendrick Bourne, Demario Douglas, if Juju Smith-Schuster still exists. So we got a lot of wide receiver options and they're all pretty ugly. So Corey from that list, who's your favorite? Yeah. Out of those guys, I won't count Nico because I, like you said, I think he is, he's spoken for at this point. If you have him, you're, you're going to start him um, for lack of like a crazy better option. Um, I will go ahead and I will go back to bat for sky Moore. Uh, I know it was the Jags and he honestly, I mean, I think it was just three for 70 and a touchdown. So not a lot of receptions, but I just, I have a feeling that the chiefs are going to start taking off to their uh, regular form that we, we know them uh, to, to be great. And for Patrick Mahomes to sling it and 
just hoping that the more that Kelsey comes off of his uh, his kind of, um, I think they're kind of trying to ease him in a little bit. The more and more he gets off of that, I think the more pressure is going to be put on him. The more defensive uh, looks are going to be used to try and stop him. Hopefully that just opens up more and more for, for Sky Moore, who I think is still the guy that they want to turn into the uh, the target leader behind Kelsey, personally speaking. Um, I know Kadarius Tony is is your love in your life, Mike. Uh, I just, he had a decent game. I mean, better than week one, uh, for sure. Not not difficult to beat week one uh, yeah. for his performance, but I think he'll still be kind of gadgety. I think it'll still be kind of game to game for him. Uh, I feel kind of similarly with Justin Watson. I think he'll just have games sometimes, but I think if you're looking for a consistent flex guy that can get you somewhere between like 10 to 16 points a week, I still believe in my heart it will be Sky Moore. I wholeheartedly disagree because Kadarius Tony is the goat. Uh, that's kind of joking, but also uh, as Go we to look at passes. yes, as we look at target per route run stats, which if you use those, hats off to you. But it's just an absolute disaster because Kadarius Tony is number one in almost all target per route run uh, ways that you can cut it as long as you have his snap count included. So they're working him back from injury. Every time he's on the field, he's getting the ball. So if you need, it's weird because he is such a boom bust player, but I do think that his floor and his utilization in the offense is going to continue to be safe. And as he works back from injury, maybe we do see an explosive finish to the season or he gets hurt, turns to dust and he fades into the mist like everybody expects him to. But uh, I, I yeah. kind of agree with you in a certain sense in terms of like, I, I, I like, I like both of our picks sort of there because Sky Moore to me is just a guy where if you need, the 10 points. Uh, if you just need a guy to put points on the board, I think Sky Moore is your guy. If you need to vastly overwhelm your opponent and just put a boom guy in there that could get you zero or he could get you 20 plus, Tony is probably the man for that. Um, so, so I'm sure Rasheed Rice is going to have a three touchdown week. And that I'm is the way. For it. That is how it happens. Yep. Or Justin hey. Ross, just out of nowhere from the top rope. <laughs> Help me in on uh, on Team Tony, um, and and I do like Sky Moore as well. I think that as this season progresses, we're going to see everything just kind of funnel towards Travis Kelsey, Kadarius Tony, and Sky Moore. I think last week, uh, Mahomes attempted passes. I think it was twelve different players. I mean, it's crazy how they are just getting everybody involved there but tony was second on the team in targets behind only travis kelsey and they fed him a jet sweep in back-to-back weeks and i you know i i don't know exactly what your stance is Corey, on Kadarius tony but he's just so electric when he's got the ball in his hands like you see it like yesterday or last week you know they fed him a little bubble screen and he just like break broke three tackles on the way to a first down like with ease like he can just do things with the ball that not many other guys can do. He missed all of almost all of camp with an injury. So I think that's kind of why we saw all those drops in week one. But even after all the drops, they went right back to him as the number two option in the offense. So I think that we only see him get better from here. And my thing with Kadarius Tony, why I kind of faded him in the offseason is because he's one of the few guys that I will identify as injury prone, but Right now, he's healthy. So if you're not starting him while he's healthy, I don't know when you are going to start him. So I give a slight edge to Kadarius Tony in my rankings just for the ceiling. And yeah, Dave, just I, curious, I, where do you have him in your rankings for this week? Uh, I've got him as my wide receiver 31 this week. Okay. That's so much cool. higher than most. But it's for, below, I chased the ceiling. That's below Nico Collins by one spot, or who was that? Your, you had your wide receiver 30 earlier. Uh, I said inside my top 30 uh, was Michael Thomas. I've got Michael Thomas at wide receiver 28. Okay. Well, 
maybe by the end of this podcast, we can get you to flip them. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I love all of the uh, things you said there. I mean, I I like Tony's talent. I, I really like his talent. I just, the things you said, I don't like his injury history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like his kind of like, I don't know if it's poor work ethic or it's just, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. I can't really put, it's like an intangible that I can't put my finger exactly on. But I think if he could just. Is it really, sending death threats to people on Twitter? Is that, that it? Like the DM it. death threats? Because that, that's Maybe. totally understandable. If you fade him for threatening to kill fans, I'm with you. Yeah, it might be a little bit of that. It might be a little bit of his like weird video he took where he was in the dark <laughs> and uh, yelling at Giants fans that <laughs> look at me now kind of thing. I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, but for fantasy, you kind of got to throw a little bit of that out. But mm-hmm. I, I just think that if he showed that he could stay healthy more than he has so far, I'd be much more in on him. Uh, he's just so, such a scary player for me to, uh, if I if, if I'm flexing him to try boom bust, sure. If I'm putting him in like my wide receiver two slot. I just don't even think I could do it. I think that he, is just. He was a guy that I didn't draft at all. Like in the eighth or ninth round, I was disgusted with that ADP in the off season. But then a bunch of people dropped him in leagues I was in, and I picked him up off of waivers. And now all of a sudden, I find myself in a position where I like have to root for and stand for Kadarius Tony. And I don't want to be there, but this is where everyone forced me to be because this pendulum swung too far in the other direction. I feel yeah. that Mike was definitely pushing the pendulum on me for Tony. <laughs> yeah. I was not super in on him. And then Mike, uh, his first show that we had Mike come on the RPG podcast. We titled the episode after his irreverent love for Kadarius Tony, <laughs> yeah. and it kind of flipped me to like, okay, I can, you know, in Dynasty, I can sit a second, like a competing second, mm-hmm. and like get him, and that seemed like a screaming deal. And remains to be seen whether or not it it is or isn't. I mean, it's still very early, but uh, I will say that you know, sending a second for him made me play him in a lot of my week le- week one yeah. leagues where I have him, and uh, I feel pretty burned <laughs> from that. So. <laughs> uh you're you're right though if he is healthy has a good matchup probably worth a flex spot unless you have some you know obvious uh better player there but uh okay we we talked some some chiefs wide receivers evan do you you got anyone from this list you're eyeing yeah i'd be eyeing kendrick Bourne. uh i know he's going up against the jets but if there's one guy in that offense that's a deep ball threat it's kendrick Bourne. Uh, you look at how Bill O'Brien's using him in that offense. He's pushing the ball downfield. I get it. Mac Jones and his deep ball um, leave a lot to be desired, to say the least. But if he can catch one or two of those deep balls, you know there is the chance that he could potentially take it to the house for for a touchdown. That's what you're hoping for. You know that long play with a touchdown out of him as a flex player. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that the the one that I'll sort of couple with that is. Hunter Henry, who has been kind of my my victory lap already this early in the season of, (laughs) you know, I looked at him being basically undrafted. It was like, guys, you know that it's Bill O'Brien and he's going to use tight ends. And it's, it's, I mean, Hunter Henry is still a good tight end. And so he was my like last round or even like after the draft was over grab. And thus far, I mean, he's my tight end that I am starting (laughs) until he shows me that he, I shouldn't start him in leagues where I don't have like one of the top five guys. So yeah, uh, I wrote a uh, dynasty tight ends ranking article in the offseason, just trying to go through everything. And as part of it, I said I was only including one tight end per team. Uh, so I didn't include Hunter Henry yeah, because I included Mike Gusecki. I was Boo. so in. And now Durham Smythe is doing the Mike Gusecki thing that we all thought we would do in Miami. 
Yeah, Gesicki was a guy early in the offseason I was drafting so much. Like, I got so excited about the landing spot when he signed with mm-hmm. the Patriots. And very rarely do I dig myself out of a hole that I bury myself in. And it was around July. I was reading some Patriot camp reports, and it's just the drumbeat for Hunter Henry was so mm-hmm. steady. I didn't hear a thing about Mike Gesicki. So in, like, late July, I pivoted. And you, you, I don't know if you guys know. I'm a psychopath. I do, like, a 1,000 drafts every single offseason on, on underdog. And I completely pivoted. I went from like 30% Mike Kosicki to, by the time the season kicked off, being at like 28% Hunter Henry. And it's just a beautiful thing right now. I'm sitting like first place in so many of my leagues just with Hunter Henry putting up these points. It's not going to last. And like if I could trade an underdog, I'd be selling high, but I'm just going to ride the wave as long as I can. Well, I will say, I think Mike is with you with the thousands of uh, best ball (laughs) leagues on underdog. Uh, Myself and Evan, I think we're in like 20, 30 dynasty leagues. Oh, that's even harder. It it is. It makes me even more uh, uh, glad that I am in Washington State where we don't have underdog. Because if I was also doing underdog, then I would probably have a thousand best ball leagues. And Combined with my 30 dynasty leagues, <laughs> I'd be in really big trouble. Uh, so kind of yeah. uh, one of those moments where sort of glad I don't have access to that. But uh, yeah, man, I Hunter Henry is is definitely showing up. Uh, there's even leagues where, man, I took him so late and he's like my second or third flex. But I'm just like, tight end premium. Plug him in. Scoring. Plug him in. Uh, okay, well, looking at this list here, I only see one other guy that I kind of want to, to get your guys's thoughts on josh reynolds i mean no one's really talking about him i think a lot of people aren't in i think i'm probably more on that train too i think a couple of flashy games you can't really be sold on it per se but i'd love for someone to tell me otherwise and and confess to being a josh reynolds truther because he he looks all right and he's playing a role that the lines kind of desperately need in that wide receiver too that i don't think uh Marvin Jones at 39 years old is doing any good work there. Uh, Khalif Raymond is kind of a return specialist guy. I don't think he's it. Uh, Josh Reynolds thus far is showing up. So any, any love for some, some Josh Reynolds flexing him in, is that something that you guys can even stomach a little bit if you really Uh, had to? Talking about the PFF grade that I called out earlier where uh, Nico Collins was number four. The, the, the other notable names, I mean, it's everybody you'd expect, like the best receivers in the league up in the top 10, but the three names that kind of jump out, Nico Collins, number four, Puka Nakua, number six, and Josh Reynolds, number 10. God. So wild. I, I hate fantasy football so much. <laughs> I, if, if you guys see me looking off to the side, so I was trying to look up the uh, snap report for Detroit in week one and week two. So it's not live for week two yet, but in week one, Josh Reynolds was 49 which is second on the team for wide receiver snaps. And that was after Marvin Jones had fumbled. So he's in the doghouse for the foreseeable future. He has no upside in the offense. So he's going to get phased out as we move on. So I think Josh Reynolds, I was looking this up to say, no, you're stupid and I don't want him. But uh, I think Josh Reynolds is going to be a part of this offense. So it's they're going to funnel all of their targets to Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Josh Reynolds, and hopefully Jameer Gibbs. Kind of the cool thing about Reynolds, too, is I feel like he really he is in a situation where I think a lot of people just completely overlooked him week one waivers like, you know, like a lot of us did. I think they're like, okay, one game doesn't prove anything. I'm not going to roster him over these other like sort of premium ads. Uh, Week two comes around and he does it again. Now we're looking into week three on these waivers, guys, and 
he's pretty available. And I almost feel like still you only really need to drop like a couple bucks on him to get him. I don't think and nobody wants seeing... to put him in their lineup and yeah. he can go for a hundred and a touchdown again this week. Mike, exactly. I just looked it up. He led the wide receivers in snaps in week two. There was only <laughs> one pass catcher, only one pass catcher who had more snaps than Josh Reynolds. And it was Sam Laporta. Oh my gosh. And as we talk about Amon Ross and Brown, possibly having this turf toe injury. I don't know if there's any official reports on it yet. Josh, Josh Reynolds to the moon. Are we, we're, we're on Josh Reynolds train. I didn't I guess. Start, I think, no <laughs> we, uh, we did, weird flex, but okay. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff Bell, who uh, on the Football Guys YouTube Sunday morning, he does a must-start uh, YouTube short, and he had Josh Reynolds as his must-start wow. play of the week last week, which you know yeah. you could really hang your head on that one. That is awesome. He, he can screenshot that, put it at his Twitter like background, <laughs> right. and just ride that to like, the sunset. Banner, yeah. for sure. Good God, for him. You have to imagine uh, like a one-touchdown player prop for Reynolds was probably in like the plus 1,000s. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. two touchdowns can you imagine can you imagine if you hit that like that's so wild yeah you see the guy um, yesterday who turned a five dollar bet into seventy six thousand. he had yeah. jerome ford as the highest rusher and what was the other one the the two touchdowns tony jones jr two, yeah two tony jones yesterday. jr two touchdowns yeah it's yeah. a year's he, salary off a of five dollar bet <laughs> it must be really cool. outed himself as a time traveler like he <laughs> had to be traveling through time i was gonna this say was thing it must be really cool to be like a like a legitimate fortune teller psychic and also sports bet. Like, it must be really really nice to have both of those things going for you. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, anyone else here you guys want to talk about? I think we we got through a good good chunk of this list. Uh, talked about these guys, good deal. Um, I'd love to ask Davis thoughts on one more player, and then maybe let ooh. you tell the people where to find them. But on the spot, go. let's hear it. Quentin Johnston. Rest of season, how do you oh. feel? Oh, man, I really liked Quentin Johnson in the offseason. And I think this was one of those things where I plugged in like too early because after rookie OTAs, they were like, he already jumped Josh Palmer on the depth chart. He's going to be the wide receiver three. And I was all in on Quentin Johnson, kind of ignored the lack of drumbeat out of the Chargers camp. And I'm just going to blatantly steal a take from Chris Harris. I love going on his show. You know, Chris has become a good friend of mine over the years. He doesn't do rookie analysis. He starts his analysis when a player takes their first snap in the NFL. And after week one, he said, I couldn't tell the difference between Quentin Johnson and Donald Parham on the field. So that tells you everything you need to know about Quentin Johnson right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I won victory lap yet, but uh, I was never a QJ guy. And it's looking... Looking pretty good for me right now, uh, having avoided him in most of my rookie drafts. But yeah. remains to be seen. We shall see. He's still a rookie. A lot of season I, I, left, but he did not look. So, he has not looked good so far. And, and the no. other thing is, like, you know, my take aside, I, I've said it a couple times on this podcast and on other shows. I feel like as a community, we have become so freaking spoiled with wide receiver rookies coming mm-hmm. into the league and not popping immediately, or, or you know, the rather like popping immediately and then people thinking like that's the way it goes mm-hmm. it's typically just not the way it goes guys like uh christian these, watson did nothing through week eight last year exactly some of these wide receivers yeah. need some time to to kick into gear and it, i don't think it's fair for me as much as i was not on qj to go ahead and say oh, i told you guys so he's not gonna right. be good yep. i could totally be wrong in in eight or nine weeks especially if keenan allen or mike williams break down which they have been known to do don't you dare say that. Uh, I've got Keenan Allen on anything. every team. 
<laughs> I'm riding this man into the sunset. <laughs> I I am right there with you. I hope I hope that that is the case, man. Uh, I have him in my home league. That's for no money. It's just bragging rights and a trophy. And if he can uh, do the thing, then I will be very very happy about that. <laughs> uh okay yeah i think this was an awesome show man i uh, want to take just a quick minute before we sign off to say thank you so much dave for coming on and chatting with us i know that like i did did mike have like blackmail on you or so is that why you're here <laughs> like I, we're so so small time compared to what you have going on so i'm just super no. super appreciative so, so I, I was new in the industry. Like I remember when I got started and uh, the first person I reached out to that was like my favorite analyst in the industry. And I was like so nervous to send him a message. It was Mike Taglair. And he immediately responded and was like, sure. When did you want to talk ball? And just came on my show later that week. And I thought it was such a, so cool for like Mike Taglair, who was a, just a huge star in the industry, like to, to be willing to come onto my show. And I just told myself that, you know, I'm going to try to pay that back whenever I can. So I, I, I very rarely say no. And like, unless it's somebody who has like actively gotten under my skin in the past and like rubbed me the wrong way on Twitter, I'm always up for going on the show. Mike, you know, I've seen you in my, my replies and whatnot, and I've seen you out on Twitter over the last couple of years, been nothing but, you know, friendly and jovial out in those Twitter streets where a lot of people aren't. So yeah, it was a, it was an easy yes. So happy to be here. And just trying to pay it back because, you know, uh, like I said, I remember when I was new in the industry and Mike Taglayer coming on my show, JJ Zacharyson coming on my show, funny enough, Joe Bryant coming on my show and he and I hitting it off years and years ago and then it turned into a job. So always trying to meet new people in the industry. Appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Yeah, well, it's yeah. really cool. And we really appreciate awesome. you being here. This is, uh, you know, you're the biggest guest we've ever had on here other than Evan, but Evan's just big time in Tennessee <laughs> construction works. <laughs> But yeah, Evan Evan doesn't even have a Twitter because he's that big. Like if he well, had a well, Twitter but, <laughs> big for X. But when when you're heavily involved in uh, getting the Titan Stadium built, you know, you try and stay away. There you yeah. go. But Dave, if you want to go tell the uh twenty listeners we have at home where to find you and Yeah. And can you I mean we already talked about football guys, but uh is can you like give us any preview about like the next ep coming out, what you guys are gonna be discussing? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we're pretty on schedule this time of year. So we do a waiver show on Monday, um, which is kind of weird because we miss out on the Monday night waiver. So our waiver show doesn't have Jerome Ford on it this week, but you know, that's just, uh, the nature of trying to beat everybody else to the punch. Tuesdays are our fun kind of off the wall show. We do something different every single week. We had Joey Wright on two weeks ago, Jagger made today. We kind of highlight some of the newer guys over at football guys. Wednesday is our trade target show. Thursdays starts of the week. Friday is our news show. And then Sunday morning, we do our live start sit show. So uh, Saturdays are my only day off, but you can find me any other day. And then in the season, that's when we just have fun and talk about whatever we want to talk about, but pretty structured in season. So tomorrow will be trade targets and Thursday will be our starts of the week. Awesome. Hey Dave, real, real quick. Are you a college football fan at all? I hear Saturdays are free, so... You know, I, I do watch football on Saturdays. Um, I, I haven't been a big college football fan in the past. I've always kind of liked going into prospect season with kind of a blank slate on these players and formulating opinions, you know, looking at them all with a blank slate. But um, yeah, Saturdays this year, I have been watching football. You know, I live out in Colorado, so it's been pretty hard to ignore what, the you know, has been happening out in Boulder. Actually yeah. kicking myself because we were looking at tickets on Saturday. <laughs> Almost bought them on a whim. And the cheapest tickets we could find were like 500 bucks to sit up in the nosebleeds, oh 500 for the pair for my wife and I, my thumb was like hovering over by and I was just like, no, I can't. And really kicking myself. Cause that was one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. Definitely kept me up. 
<laughs> yep. yeah. yeah, I was yeah. talking to my East Coast friends. I'm like, what are you Crazy. doing? It's 3.30 in the morning. And they couldn't help themselves. <laughs> yeah, what what a game. That that was insane. I think uh, Colorado had like a minus 24 spread like going into it. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, so I, I, I lived in Fort Collins for five years. So I've always kind of oh, had okay. a soft spot in my heart for CSU living in Fort Collins, but also love Deion Sanders. And, you know, I grew up a Colorado fan, weirdly enough, even though I'm from Chicago. So I didn't really go into the game with a, a dog in the race. I just wanted a good game and, and we got it. Heck yeah, man. Uh, all right. Well, that that brings us almost perfectly on time here at an exact hour as I say this. Uh, but thank you all for, for joining us. Thank you again, Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.